0: Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the most listened to episode ever because your latest episode is always your greatest, right? So um, I am Scott Needham, the host of this podcast. I have the... uh, I'm so uh, humble that I chose an arrogant title called the smartest Amazon seller. That's because I have spent um, years in the platform. I have my company has given Jeff Bezos over a hundred million dollars in FBA fees and commission fees, and I'm only hoping to make that number grow. I realize my place in the world as a Jeff bot. I am just helping build his empire, but um, it's. A lot of fun, and we can all uh, grow successful businesses that last. So, I today have a another treat. Got a lot of really great response from the um, uh, the podcast where I actually brought employees of Buy Boxer because we have a lot of different experts. And um, the one that I have with me today, Michelle, is been with us. You know, one of our uh, longest tenured employees. She has uh, at least nine years experience in. Um, commerce, some of it split into uh, not necessarily e-commerce, but like really understands, uh, has been with a lot of brands. And, but she's really challenged our norms here at Buy Boxer. As an employee, she's uh, shaped a lot of our software to make sure that isn't efficient. She uh, has kept me honest and she fights for brands and to, she's even fired a few maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, but she has seen success and failure on Amazon from over a hundred brands. She told me she's worked with 115 uh, different relationships. So, um, welcome Michelle.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So, um, She's, you know, BuyBoxer. We actually are a large wholesaler, but we, for years now, we've we've really been pushing uh, pr- more private label and working with brands directly to uh, increase their exposure and success on Amazon. So I'm going to cover a little bit of both. Uh, and so you've worked with some distributors, wholesale distributors, and. Uh, what did you, What was your role in helping them uh, do better for, work better with us?
1: Yeah. So when I first um, started working with distributors, all we were doing was were, were just a standard wholesale relationship. They didn't really know much about what we did on Amazon at all. So um, my role was mainly to get them to understand what we were doing on Amazon, um, part of that to get them to ship directly to Amazon for us. So cut out our warehouse, which saved quite a bit of money get better terms or discounts, especially around Q4 planning um, and then actually do the Q4 planning, which was kind of big. So um, we were expecting to do a lot of money with each of those distributors in Q4. So planning ahead of time was crucial.
0: Yeah, she was here when our Christmas is started to get a lot bigger because uh, I'm guessing through planning uh, you know, Q4, you know, this starts sometimes in June where you start uh, planning inventory levels that far in advance, you get a better fill rate because they know what you're, you're buying.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, the earlier you can tell them what you're going to need, they can put that into the production planning and make sure that they have that inventory saved for you when it, when that time comes.
0: What's the hardest part of getting another supplier, another, uh, or a distributor to send directly to Amazon?
1: The logistics of it. Uh, if, if they've done it before, they're more likely to say yes. If they haven't and it's new territory, they don't even want to deal with it. They don't, wanna, they don't want the headache of it.
0: Right. Well, why?
1: Um. Partially the prep requirements. Back when we were going really hard with distributors, um, the small and light program was really taken off as well. So that had its own set of prep requirements that we were taking on with the distributors. But mainly it's that. Um, if a products need to be relabeled, Either we have to pay Amazon or convince the distributor to do that for us. Um, That's a thing that's tricky. And then actually just getting them to give us what the box contents are and the weights and dimensions so that we can get the shipping labels over is probably the biggest thing that they they don't want to do.
0: You know, it took a lot of coordination. Uh, We actually invested uh, a lot of time and effort to create a website uh, that would kind of handle this for us because it's a lot of communication back and forth um that has we still use it a little bit but haven't like fully it's 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 a moving target and always been stressful because uh if another distributor or anyone that is shipping it on behalf of you we risk a lot yeah. so, so michelle what was it like when uh you know say one of your partners or someone that, you know, that like shipped before, for us made a mistake.
1: Well, we've been shut down for it before. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) Um, and then after that, we took a lot more precautions. Um, the direct Amazon program we had was much different before we had any problems. It was, um, we, we gave a lot of trust to those partners and distributors to make sure that they knew that they couldn't ship any boxes that were oversized or overweight. And then, um, Occasionally, Amazon would measure it slightly differently than they did, or it was actually oversized or overweight, and they just um, sent it out of negligence and um, we paid for it. So,
0: well, we've done a, we haven't been perfect here as well. I know uh, we have been slightly negligent. And, well, by that I mean, we've had an employer too that like have made mistakes. And I didn't expect to talk about this in this episode, but like we've let go of people because they, allowed things to go through that like we were was very clear that we can't Uh, getting shut down uh, for a day, three days, seven days. uh, It it affects people in a very personal way in our company. And so for someone to be a little, um, you know, to not be on top of it, it's it's serious business. And so that's uh, kind of the, uh, when we we have to build a relationship with someone to trust them to do a direct to Amazon uh, shipment. And it's, it takes a lot of coordination. And Michelle's been a huge in uh, doing that. Um, but she hasn't really worked in that space for about uh, maybe a year or two. She's been really focusing on the agency side or our partnerships that we do and has a lot of insight because she's worked with over a hundred different brands. And, um, so tell me what you think makes a a brand to be successful on Amazon and uh, like, what are things that, that would not make them not successful?
1: Yeah. So a couple things come to mind when we're talking about, um, a brand being successful on Amazon a, having a strategy to control the, sh- the channel. If, if you let it be a free-for-all and it's the wild, wild west, you're not, it's not going to be successful. Um, investing in your brand is another top one. You want to make sure you have quality photos, um, including lifestyle images for a lot of your products, and investing in advertising. If you don't have advertising, you're, you're completely shutting off the growth engines for your brand. So investing is a huge part of it. And then um, having hero SKUs, so just having winning SKUs. I, there's a lot of brands that I really believed in and that we thought would do really well but at the end of the day people just aren't buying their products no matter how good the pages look no matter how much they're investing in advertising um, there's just some products that aren't aren't winners so it's a matter of finding your winners finding those hero skews and really pushing pushing those up and knowing when to cut the losses on on the not winners
0: right you you said uh, we could almost divide uh, the types of clients that We have had into two. Some of them have a fair amount of distribution outside of Amazon. And that's where you really focus on like, you know, channel control. Uh, Sometimes people call it channel governance because, you know, you get a lot of sellers. And so that's what Michelle was talking about there. And then if a brand wants to like take control, sometimes they are not willing to do the work to, you know, to get their supply chain where that they are in control. Um,
1: yeah, a lot of brands actually the number one fear they have is to cut off their, their brick and mortars that are selling on Amazon. Um, that's probably my biggest advice when you're ready to, to actually control the channel, you need to be willing to take that step. Otherwise, you're not like it's not going to go well. Um, at the end of the day, if a brick and mortar store isn't creating value for your Amazon presence, they shouldn't be allowed to be a seller on Amazon.
0: There's a lot to unpack there. And I'm sure that the the audience, like everyone's in a different page of this issue. Sometimes like we are the seller, like even my company is, uh, sometimes we are the unauthorized seller Mm -hmm. and we have to comply. Like we get a cease and desist about every other day. And so I know what it's like to be on the side of, you know, giving getting pushed out. Um, And so that's why we fight, to show the value that we bring and, um, we have to like actually deliver on that value. And so, but then on the flip side, when we're working with brands and, uh, helping them grow on Amazon and, and take control, they have hard decisions to make. And it's kind of like, are they serious about, uh, growing their Amazon business, growing, uh, taking control of their distribution? So, um, I mean, that, that, that's a, an issue we we can unpack all the time, um, with, with many more, uh, things and, but let's, let's hit the part where you talked about a hero skew Mm -hmm. and, um, how that can just elevate everything else. So what has made the difference between a, you know, a brand with a hero skew and one without you said that like willing to advertise and having good photos.
1: Yeah. Having a hero skew is actually just, it's kind of crazy to watch on Amazon. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting to see which skews are it. Like right. some skews have it and some skews don't. And I, there's not really a rhyme or reason. Um, almost all of our successful, most successful brands we've worked with at Buy Boxer have had at least a, one or two very specific SKUs that are driving the majority of the sales or maybe a handful, but
0: have you put some uh, personal and emotional uh, mm. investment into a product and you thought it was going to be great. And then it wasn't.
1: Yeah. All the time. Um, we <laughs> do the other brands all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy yeah. to believe
0: and like, and you, we, we buy into what their brands, you know, tell us. Yeah. They're like, this is our new product. This is awesome. And we believe it. And then we, we throw a lot into it. A lot of, effort to give it every chance to succeed. And sometimes it's just a base hit. It's not a home run. Yeah. Um. And to a degree, like you kind of need at least base hits uh, to, to get by, but you need to start turning those into uh, more successful products. Um.
1: Yeah. At, at Buy Boxer, a lot of times when we're talking to brands, we talk about elevating their mid tier skews. So we don't like to just focus on the hero SKUs right from the beginning. And that's all we do. We like to elevate those mid-tier SKUs to become hero SKUs. Um, that's kind of our sweet spot. Actually, is is creating those hero SKUs rather than just um, taking on the ones that are already successful and and taking credit for those.
0: Okay, so tell me, um, what are reasons that a brand has failed?
1: So having bad reviews. Um, yeah, there's no coming back once you. Ha- I mean, unless you can get a whole bunch of good reviews to counteract them, but once they're there, they're there. Um, and that's hard to,
0: and do you think asked. sometimes those bad reviews are like, they're right? Yeah. I I've seen a few. I'm like, shoot, we messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the, the, the reviews have been from our distribution distri- sorry, distribution, uh, was, uh, not bubble wrapping things well enough. And so we had some cracked jam jars arrive yeah. and this product is really good, but, it was uh, I mean, like, even though we had fixed that, mm-hmm. those reviews live there forever. And so uh, we have, there, there's lots of mistakes to draw from, but uh, when it comes to uh, a product's life cycle, the beginning matters a lot. Yeah, And getting those uh, first reviews in right. And so we we double bubble wrap a lot of things. Everything has to pass the drop test and it does, you know, drive me bonkers to see how much, uh, you know, we have 80 employees in distribution. It does like to see them get so gummed up with like prep work, but there's a reason that it does that because this stuff does end up in, in customers' hands. And if it arrives broken, then we, we've ruined it for every, this product's future is just always a little bit hampered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other things that come to mind are pricing. So being priced too high, you're not going to, you're not going to win against your competitors and pricing too low. You're not going to have enough margin to, to be a profitable business. So finding that sweet spot is really important. And then on the client side and, and when we work with brands directly, um, I think overall having a, not enough of an understanding of how Amazon works and, um, in those cases not being advisable, um, we pride ourselves in being the Amazon experts. That's why we get hired and why brands bring us on to help them out. And when they don't hand over that trust to us to actually do the work that they hired us to do, it it really inhibits what we can get done.
0: Yeah, no. And, um, it's been a, we we put a lot of effort into gaining that trust. And sometimes when when there's partners that we've had for years and we still don't have that trust, we let them go. Yeah. We're like you're not letting us uh, do our job for you, and I, and then like then when we get that trust and we're able to just like be like, just we we really kill it because we can move things the way we want. I've got a brand right now that you know they are spending a ton on advertising, and probably took about a month of communicating him to like what was important about advertising, and then he's like giving us full control, and I'm like yes, now I can like really like push spend yeah. strategically. And it all started from that trust. We l- told him to let go of a few ideas, such as like he had set on an, a target A cost that he thought we had to be getting. And I was like, "Well, we can get that. We can actually get better than that A cost. But you're only going to be doing branded spend, mm-hmm. and that's not growing your brand. And so we pushed to to actually exclude branded spend, and and his sales are are going up, you know, a few thousand every week. Yeah. And so. I just want to be transparent with the audience. Like I've told you about some of our failures, like, you know, those glass jars, those jams that we broke, like that's uh, where we've fumbled. And just to also highlight, it would only be fair if we also highlight some of like the successes that a good uh, stewardship over a brand can lead to, as we have seen Um, I know Michelle has been a part of several brands growing from like, say two, three, four hundred thousand to being well over a million on Amazon. Um, what has been uh, one of the uh, distinguishing factors of those companies that we've seen, uh, you know, go two to three times.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, trust is a big part of it. My most successful partners and clients are ones that say you're the experts do what you do and, and let's, let's see what happens. And, um, when we don't have our hands tied, we can play with advertising, like you said. We can take images. We can do a lot of things to to make the product page better. Play with pricing um, to find that sweet spot. Because if we're held to a certain price, that that makes it hard too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of experimentation to find what works with a brand, what doesn't work with a brand. And when we have the leeway to do that, that's that's where we're able to find our success.
0: Right. Um. Let's see. I... So there are plenty of my audience members that are wholesale minded, yeah. And um, you, Michelle, like she, she highlighted a few things that she's done with them. But I do think that, well, I know that some of the same skills that we we use uh, in working. With a brand on, say, the agency side, are things that you, as a wholesaler, should be considering when you're talking to your brands that, like, you are a value add to them. Mm-hmm. And I know a small seller out there can actually beat us. They can outmaneuver, um, you know, our organization of a hundred plus people, and um, by showing, you know, the the the, the, the trick the the tricks to succeed on Amazon are not like completely. secret. It's not a secret sauce. (laughs) Right. It's known. Uh, I tell everything and there's just so much content out there. So don't, I I mean, if you feel locked into one of those areas, uh, you know, open up and you will find, uh, success in different ways. Um, so I just don't want you to feel like that, uh, this message is only speaking to one type of person out there. You absolutely should be uh, considering, uh, different business models. I've been very clear about like the three or four, uh, business models that I have been working on. And, you know, I like to think that they're each either moderately successful. <laughs> Some of them have actually really dipped into uh failure territory as uh 2018. We, uh, Found ways to lose money on Amazon, and then uh, we we dug ourselves out in a big way last year. So, um,
1: yeah, my biggest advice probably to wholesalers um, back from when I first started at Buy Boxer and was more just a buyer. I mean, that's essentially I got started as a mm-hmm. buyer. So, um, finding new brands we could just pick up and start selling as a three P seller. Um, and my biggest advice to those are: don't be afraid to ask for. You know, put your negotiating hat on and ask for better terms or better discounts, especially when it comes to those Q4 planning. If you have the capital and you can do a large stock up order for Q4, you're more likely to get better terms, maybe net 90, um, get a discount on that order. So that way you can make that inventory go further and actually sell the inventory before you even have to pay for it. So there's a lot of things to do.
0: I mean, even when you're working with your suppliers in China or here in the U.S., nothing speaks louder than POs. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you show your worth, your consistency, is, you know, regularly placing stuff. Right. And that's how we've built a lot of trust with people that, like, you know, we've had a rep that was replaced another rep, and they said, like, oh, don't lose by Boxer because, like, this, this, and this. And that's really just because we're consistent. Right. And so... Um, I guess the last piece of, uh, the last nugget is that, uh, you know, your, your, your POS, your, your dollars will speak for you in your relationships. Yeah. Um, and Michelle, any other things that we may have, uh, missed? I gave her a lot of questions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the other question you asked me was, um, when looking to grow a brand, what takes the most of my time? Oh, That's right. So, I guess that varies if I'm talking, um, in the sense that I'm managing a client or a brand, or if I'm a, a three P seller, but, um, overall cleanup. So undoing all of the missteps that other, either the brand itself has taken or other sellers have done to make the pages a mess or their seller central a mess. like hands down, that's what takes the most of my time. It's just well, get specific on what, what,
0: what get more specific on cleanup.
1: Um, I mean on the seller central account, there can be Catalog errors, hazmat problems, um, just not set up correctly. So that's a whole thing.
0: Sometimes the SKUs, like even the lettering of them just like makes no sense. Yeah.
1: Um, or- on the on the page side, I mean, third-party sellers can make page, page changes all the time. So having incorrect information, um, limited bullet points, well, we have to take a new page and go top to bottom and just clean it up. It, it takes a long time. It's a lot of content to create and add. So, um,
0: and Amazon doesn't make this a super easy process. Sometimes. No, we just make case <laughs> after
1: case to get images uploaded and bullet points changed and um, and the brand name if the brand
0: we, we, the brand name's wrong. We we have a, a lot of VAs that help that process with us. Yeah. Um, they're really good at just being diligent with Amazon because it's not easy to clean things up, and you need to like just like always be on top. of Them being like, nope the images need to be these ones. And then they'll come back and they'll say like, Oh, da, da, like whatever Amazon says. Mm-hmm. And then like, we were, we were like, Nope, these are the images. And like, here's reasons why. Yeah. And it, we, we push things through.
1: Well, and cleaning up Amazon's messes. I mean, they create a ton on their own. Yeah. I mean, all the, they're getting a lot coming down on them from the FTC, which has in turn created a lot of, a lot more work for us, especially in the toys category In Q4. Um, we had a lot of our brands that had been selling toys that, for years, and suddenly they, we had to provide all these approval. Like, we had to go through this whole process to even prove that they could sell toys, even though they are a toy manufacturer. Um, a lot of hoops to jump through. A lot of paperwork submitting all the CPCs and CPSIAs, and um, it's a lot of compliance work.
0: I don't hate... That Amazon is under the gun for these kinds of things yeah. as, as a consumer, yeah. I do want a little bit more confidence and, like, say, if I'm buying an electronic toy that it is going to work and not you know burn yeah. burn the house down. Um, but that is more hoops to jump and that and and that's real cleanup that that we have to do. So I, I can't think of a category that hasn't been affected by regulations. Mm. And uh, that does make you as an Amazon professional actually uh, more more valuable. more valuable. Yeah. And so it, it is a little bit of job security. People that really speak and know Amazon from you know from uh, product pages to advertising, it's actually a really valuable skill set that should you. Uh, you don't want to transfer what you're doing right now and like work for a, uh, you know, say a larger organization and you have these, these Amazon skill sets, you're going to be very valuable. And I have seen uh, many people just get really, you know, relatively high salaries for uh, their background and or for how little experience that they have, just because they know Amazon, like it is a it is a, a total merit. And, and Michelle's an example of... Uh, you know, having learned these things, say, the hard way and put some time into it to, to really become an, an expert of it. Um, so thank you very much, Michelle, for coming on. And um, uh, she did highlight a few things that is going to hit what I'm going to invite the audience to do, but like how uh, impactful it is to your business and you as a person if your account gets shut down, and so I've put together, you know, some some of our top uh, value ads and and uh, tips for getting unsuspended, and I've put it in uh, an old school format. It is kind of a newsletter-ish type of thing. But uh, it was probably one of the most important stories of Buy Boxer when we got shut down uh, over the 4th of July in 2017. And it's kind of been in our DNA ever since of how our, what our approach is to Amazon compliance. And so that is uh, live on buyboxer.com healthyaccount healthy account. So sign up. You'll see uh, a little bit of what it felt like for me and um, what it felt like for our entire team. And then like the tricks that we have used to get successful um, results from our uh, plan of actions. And so uh, thank you for listening and uh, please uh, share with whomever your, your friends or online. That's the most flattering thing you could do to me and you will uh, be my friend for life. Um, <laughs> so that's all I've got. Tune in next week, guys. You. See ya.
1: One, two, three.
0: This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.